of the Dream Machine. My name is Aaron. And my name is Patricia. Hey, Patricia. Well, how's, how's it going? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, before we actually get into this episode of Dream Machine, there is something I actually kind of want to point out for everybody. And uh, I would point it out if I had my list up in front of me because uh, I actually did uh, jot this down whilst I was, um, you know, during the production of Dream Machine. Um, we were currently into, what, I think we're episode like 15, 16, I think, at this point? Yes. I think, yeah, so uh, um, one thing I'm starting to notice is that uh, there's a trend in all of them. For those who don't know, I actually put up like either the uh, the VHS posters or the uh, like the movie covers or uh, up on the, uh, if you're watching it on YouTube. And uh, there's something I seem to be kind of noticing when I'm going through the, um, uh, the, the posters. So we'll start off with like, uh, uh, say, um, Sinbad's Legend of Seven Seas from the creators of Shrek. And uh, th- also, if you go to uh, the poster of Shark Tale, it's like, from the creators of Shrek, Madagascar, from the creators of Shrek, Wallace and Gromit, from the creators of Shrek, and uh, now we're finally getting into uh, Over the Hedge, and uh, gee, I wonder what else they they made. Hmm, uh, uh, could it be Shrek? Oh, uh, really? I thought it was Toy Story. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <damn> it, <laughs> but anyway, well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I did notice that because they, they didn't notice they didn't post up any other of their movies. Like you know how uh, you know Disney uh, and Pixar have also done similar things. You know, like from the from the studio that brought you classics like you know Cinderella or Pinocchio or you know in more recent movies they said like the, from from the studio that brought you Frozen and Zootopia and Moana they list up like multiple movies that have come out over the years but it seems like over the past couple of years for dreamworks they've only cited out the movies that have been really really successful which were shrek and madagascar here's the thing about this and uh, i don't really understand why pixar and other movie companies do i mean i guess i can see that because obviously they've seen other movies and uh, they like those movies they they think that the uh, the advertisements of those other films are tying them to those movies will obviously make them go and see this one but you know like uh, you know i don't understand why pixar and dreamworks need to actually do that type of advertising because you know the dream everyone knows who dreamworks is and everyone knows who pixar is and because it's obviously is a disney uh, a part of disney and uh, so for, for me i like it. i don't understand why they just say disney pixar's this is what it is or dreamworks this is what it is because you know even back, you know, dreamworks has been known now it's, it's a brand known from you know back in the 90s even animaniacs was even referencing dreamworks like uh, yeah. i have no idea uh, i guess maybe because there were so many animation studios around the time that they wanted to distinct themselves from the other maybe there were some people who actually confused pixar for dreamworks i have no idea maybe it's just it's, uh, it just seems kind of weird to me you know so uh, anyway um so another chit chat shall we get on to this this week's episode and uh, see what we've got for see what it's got for us yeah sure let's do it okay here we go <laughs> So Over the Hedge is a 2006 anime, computer animated comedy film based on the characters of the comic strips of the same name, produced by DreamWorks Animation and currently distributed worldwide by Paramount Pictures. It was released in May 19th of 2006. So, um, in regards to Over the Hedge, I mean, the story, I guess you could say, is 
pretty basic, I think you can say. So, um, a raccoon named RJ uh, goes into this uh, bear's um, uh, hibernation, hibernation cave and uh, manages to uh, lose all his food. And uh, then, so obviously the bear wakes up and then obviously he's threatened to killing RJ, but RJ says that he can get all that food back. So he enlists the animals, if you will, to uh, that have just uh, found that uh, most of their forest has now disappeared and has been replaced by uh, this uh, kind of urban kind of garden community. And, uh, and then they basically explore this whole world. And uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard, uh, I guess, animated adventure. I guess you could say, in 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 the context of what it's based in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Have you ever heard of Watership Down? Um, yeah, actually, it's a pretty brutal film. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty brutal film. But it's essentially like the same plot in which you know their land was being taken over by man, and they have to wander around so they can be able to find themselves a new um place to live and it and, you know there's a huge obstacle that they have to overcome which you know in that case was uh another you know group of rabbits but mm-hmm. i guess in this case they wanted to make uh, i guess for the comic strip i guess it was supposed to be like a from what i understand it's supposed to be like a take on um you know how you know hu- uh, humans and animals kind of interact with one another and how you know the animals are enticed by the um, human's technology and the way that they're living and the animals are just enthralled with it. And I guess it's kind of like some sort of commentary on it. Yeah, But, but I, here, I, I, I think they, you know, they decided, hey, you know, let's take that comic strip and pretty much do Madagascar again with all its craziness. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing about this, everybody. Anyone who's a fan of the comic strip, I've never seen it. So uh, I'm, I'm literally just looking at this movie as is. So, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it either. No. So, I mean, I guess, um, I mean, there's not really much to say about the story. It just, just is that uh, here's these animals all just discover this, um, you know, this urban center and uh, all just, um, you know, r- r- you know run, run havoc pretty much. And, try, and RJ's uh, trying to manipulate them all to try and get uh, them all to uh, get all this food. And uh, we get, uh, I mean, I've got to be honest also, on top of that as well, like some of these characters, they're, they're not all that memorable. Like, no, I don't even remember most of them. The only reason why I remember some of them is because of their voice actors, not because of their characters or anything that they've done, you know? Yeah. Okay, so uh, Bruce Willis as a lead in this film. Oh, God. Okay. I want to point out something. So Bruce Willis, I, I take it that this would have been, I think maybe about a few years after he voiced Spike in Rugrats Go Wild. And he played as this smart, like a smarmy, cocky, overconfident portrayal of Spike, which was never seen in Rugrats. And I, I kind of feel like that sort of smarminess in RJ, not in a sense in which, oh, you know, he's like overconfident, but in a way that he's kind of like manipulating all these other animals into, you know, gathering up the food instead of, oh, we're we're not doing, you know, we're going to be doing this for our survival. But no, it's just that I'm going to be doing this so I can pay off this bear because I got rid of his food. It just seems, it just seems weird. Like, uh, I mean, the, uh, also, some of that, the, uh, in a way, can you say that the voice matches the character? No, no, not even close. <laughs> and, and and 
for and it didn't even match Spike either. I, I think it was just a combination of Bruce Willis's acting, which doesn't fit, and you know the way that they were able to write. You know, in the case of Spike or in the case of RJ, it just felt like it didn't mash very well. I guess if we're going to talk about Rugrats One Gone Wild, I think in regards to Bruce Willis being Spike, there's only one part of the delivery which I ever liked out of that was that when he said his uh, what his full name was was like Spike, get off the couch, which is like okay, <laughs> that that was funny, but you know, the rest of the movie after that, it's like it's um yeah, it's just it's uh, the, Bruce Spike should not have been Bruce Willis. Like oh it. God! I, it's I kinda still like, think that it's kind of like if uh, you know we found out that uh, Maggie was Cindy Lauper. You know, it's kind of like yeah, you know, these yeah. two things don't go together. You know? Yeah, but. exactly. And I think that um, you know when when you when you hear Bruce Willis from Die Hard say, you know, I ate Chucky's diaper once. It was spicy. Or when he's singing a song about how dogs are better than cats to a freaking leopard. It's like, you need to get your priorities straight, man. I think this was at the point in which Bruce Willis was like, at the low point of his career. I saw him all the time and, and you know, in Nickelodeon's, um, you know, snick on air dare. And I think this was like around the time in which he was doing those diehard sequels that pretty much nobody liked. So yeah, I, I think it was a, like a low point for him or yeah. maybe he was doing it for his kids. Very similar to how Eddie Murphy was in a lot of those really crappy family movies around the two thousands and 2010s. Yeah. So, uh, Gary Shandling is, uh, Verne. Uh, he's the turtle, I believe. And, yeah, uh, he's yeah, the turtle, pretty much. And uh, you know, like uh, it's just, it's. Uh, I can see what they were trying to go for. I think they were trying to make some of his like quirkiness, like uh, not only like you know, I guess kind of like a mixture between kind of like wise and cute, which you can't really, you can't really nail down uh, those two things together. Really, it's like it's, uh, it's you know, peanut butter and jelly who go together, like you know. Uh, uh, but I think uh, you know, peanut butter and nails. I don't think it necessarily goes together, and I think that's basically <laughs> what we what we got here. And um, so it's just um, for me, um, you know, Vern just wasn't. Yeah, again, it was just it was all that as well. Like I felt like he was too too played down. I think a little bit. Yeah. There was like parts when like he was like there was one point where he was like he looked like he was excited he was he was excitable. I think when he wasn't like you know when all the Tex Avery craziness wasn't going on. Like, yeah, uh, I, I think I know why. It's because they were overcompensating Vern for Hammy. Oh mm. my God, Hammy was just so freaking insane. Oh, he, he was in your face the entire time, and it got to the point where it's kind of like, oh my God, the, I'm glad the movie is over because I don't have to see that that again. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, he's the only one I remember from the movie because uh, if he was just everybody else was just so bland. Yeah, and and, and, and I was shocked when I found out that Steve Carell played as him because that doesn't sound like Steve Carell I know they, they must have pitched him up I, I think yeah uh, I guess so because you, I mean when you know about Steve Carell you know about like Gru from Despicable Me or you know from The Office or from a whole bunch of his other roles but this one was a surprise to me. Yeah, I, I think I think when we look back on Steve Carell, I think this is one role I think we'll probably not be looking back too fondly on. Exactly. Yeah, this is definitely. I, I think this is this will probably go down as one of the low points of his career next to Evan Almighty. Yeah, I, I don't know if um I don't know if he's ever had a roast, but so surely that's going to come up when. Uh, oh, that um, that would be so funny. Oh yeah. my goodness. So, uh, Wanda Sykes plays Stella. And, uh, uh, stereotypical Wanda Sykes portrayal, yeah. playing as the sassy character. She did the same thing when she was Bessie from Barnyard. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's other celebrities all jam-packed into this movie. They were hoping that this was going to be a success. 
Yeah, right. exactly. They were they were essentially taking, you know, what they were doing for their previous movies in which, hey, let's just stick a whole bunch of celebrities into a role and let's get people to, you know, um, see them in the poster saying like, oh, I know who these celebrities are. I would be happy to take my kids with them, which, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg has known for doing that in the past. It's like, oh, you know, your kids would know who these celebrities are, but the parents would, which is another way to entice them to, you know, fill up the seats, which is, you know, I guess there's a, a bit of an argument about like, when did celebrities uh, were like the staple in bringing them over to, um you know, the seats because, you know, they needed to draw, you know, draw in a general audience. A lot of people say Robin Williams as the genie was the one that pretty much kickstarted it. I heard in an episode of the Animated Anarchy podcast that it was technically like, you know, Phil Harris from The Jungle Book because he was a famous lounge singer. But yeah, ever since, but we can't agree that the one that popularized it was Robin Williams as the genie. And ever since then, you know, Animated movies tend to use a lot of celebrities to, you know, bring in uh, a lot of people to watch their films. And DreamWorks uses this to the nth degree. Like, they would bring in so many celebrities into their films to I mean, mean, look at look at that look at that staple which is Shrek. I mean, it's like it's Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy. Um, um, oh, the name goes right. Yeah, let's see, Eddie Murphy, Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz uh, um, Antonio Bandanas. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's uh, they, they they like uh, they even their. I mean, you know, if you look at Toy Story, like uh, you know what Tim Allen's probably like their biggest celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Tim Allen and Tom Hanks were like their biggest celebrities at the time. And, um, you know, everybody else, you know, I mean, sure, you have like Don Rickles, you know, especially for the much older crowd who would know about him and, um, you know, various other characters. But yeah, I mean, they would have like a sprinkle of a few celebrities and maybe a few people that you wouldn't really know about because, you know, they're a lot older. Yeah, but, but even then, like, I mean, some of the celebrity voices, I mean, if you even look at, I mean, I know everyone's going to say, say for the umpteenth time you're going back to Hey Arnold, but, you know, even then, like, these the, the celebrity voices that they brought in, at least they were they were back from the radio days. Like, yeah, know, like, and know. and of course there was like Christopher Lloyd, but oh, I think that was like well, yeah. their only major celebrity. I think. Yeah, I mean, he tried to get on Schwarzenegger, but obviously that that never happened. But uh, I mean, yeah. but here, here, this is like over the hedge. Here is ex- is exactly the opposite of some of these you know cartoons that we're uh, we're used to, where like it's like you know yeah, it's, it's people like uh, within the voice acting community, like you know Tara Strong and people like that, you know, like who uh, like do these cartoons. But here, like you know, you, you look down the list. William Shatner's in this film. Yeah. And uh, again, this, uh, you know, very similar to Bruce Willis. Uh, You know, I really do respect William Shatner. I I was, you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but oh man, I I don't think I've heard a movie where William Shatner was like a highlight for his voice acting. He was like, he was over dramatic with it at at the moment. I think that's probably what they were going for with, uh, with the, with the character. I mean, William Shatner is known for his over dramatic hamminess. It's like, you know, everybody talks like this. Everybody always says this when they're doing a William Shatner impression. It's a so, great joke and a great bit, so we must do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, movies like this do not help William Shatner in his overacting when he is in a movie that's filled with overacting. Yeah, like, the, like things like, maybe like, let's say, for example, Sharknado. Like, you know, yeah, if William Shatner turns up in Sharknado, yeah, of course it's going to be, you know, William Shatner, because, you, know, you know, those campy movies that are supposed to be bad. 
Like you know, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and they they do celebrities over the top. Yeah, of course, you know, you know, things. That's the reason why you would utilize William Shatner in this. But here, this isn't one of those times. Like you know, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an animated movie. Yeah, and like, I, I guess, I guess the the one thing I don't like this about this movie is that it's, it's. I guess I just don't like its theme. Like you know the the way that it's kind of like the, the 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 kind of the way it's set out. Like I mean I mean how long is this movie again? Like uh, how long do we sit down for? Eighty seven minutes. Yeah, like, you know, even, like for for this, I would sit down only for five minutes for it. I'll be I'll be totally brutally honest with everybody. I would be like this reminds me, and I'm sure this is probably what they were going for. This reminds me of the Looney Tunes, you know, back in the day. Like you know when they did like all the over the top stuff. Like you know, yeah. you'd, you'd, you'd zoom out of the planet and you'd see the explosion, or you'd uh, you know his face would like splat on the screen or something like that, or like you know the, here's some dynamite and it would blow up and they'd still be all right even afterwards. You know that kind of cartoony violence that we're used to back in the back in the back in the heyday. You know, yeah, so in you... th- th- this movie, let's see what we got. I mean, we have, like, um, somebody opening, like, a bag of, like, Cheetos or something, and when he opens up the bag, the whole world kind of, like, explodes into, like, this puffy uh, orange smoke, and yeah. everybody was like, oh. And then, of course, there's the scenes in which Hammy was, like, eating cookies, and he's, like, going, like, insane, and he's like, I want cookies, I want cookies, I want cookies, like a drug addict, mm-hmm. and... Oh my god! And you know, there's that ridiculous chase scene, which you know that was fun, but it was just kind of like a little bit wacky. I think that you know, with this movie, I think it was you know, I think it was trying to capture the bottle of Madagascar. Yeah. You know you what, actually, I just realized something. There's actually a name here which I've only just seen in the voice cast list, and we've never even talked about it. What? Avril Lavigne. Oh my god, I forgot that she was in this movie. I know, isn't she so interchangeable in this film? Like, you could put any female voice actor in that role. Well, guess what? She was hugely popular around the 2000s when, you know, she was releasing, like, you know, Complicated and Skater Boy and all that stuff. Uh, You know, this was, like, when, you know, the popularity of, like, punk rock. So, you know, this was, like, at the high of her career. Yeah, and so, and uh, she was, I think she was making the transition from, from, I think, to acting. I think she was. Yeah, and she was. Yeah, she was like kind of like she wanted to branch out into other things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that didn't seem to land very well for her. I don't think so. No, uh, not really. I think that she's changed genres since then, and a lot of people said, you know, what happened to the punk rock? You know, I miss the Avril Lavigne with the stringy hair and the and the the loose tie. It's you know, I, I mean, do, it's to, to do, be fair, do you know what? Fine. I guess if I had to cast Avril Lavigne in a film, I'd probably have her in a School of Rock sequel. You know, with yeah, Black. yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you know, I, I, I don't even know if you know kids nowadays would even know who she is, but I could see that. Yeah, well, I'm, I think I think you know if 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 you're going for like you know a musically based film, uh, yeah, I think some people have some grasp of like who you know if you're a Spotify artist, obviously you're going to come across Avril Lavigne at some point, you know, sure, during, during sure. your time. So I think that type of crowd, I think, would understand who she is. So I think if you had like a musical based theme, kind of like you know, um, I'm trying to think of what's a good uh, example would be. Uh, I mean, like, say for example, like um, no, I can't think of anything at the moment. I'm sure, I'm sure something will come to me eventually. But so, I mean, sure, you know, sure, sure. The but last, yeah, the last was, episode um... of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Now I, I got an uh, example for Avril Lavigne. Maybe. She could have, uh, maybe she could have been like, um, you know, maybe a. Uh, oh, oh wait, I still couldn't da- think of it. Damn it. Oh well. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Dream Machine. Uh, <laughs> okay, but no, I, I think that I know what they were doing. So here's the thing. It's very. It, it, we've seen that 
um, with like Garfield and Marmaduke. It's very difficult to stretch a simple comic strip into an hour and a half long movie. I guess, you know, the whole point of the comic strip was animals interacting with human technology and the way that humans live and their commentary on it. I guess, you know, the act, I guess that with DreamWorks, you know, their huge hit at the time was Madagascar. They decided, hey, let's just catch lightning in a bottle twice and do Madagascar again, except put it into this comic strip, which probably didn't have a lot of material to work with and just stretch it out. I even mentioned this in my, um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. My emblemation trilogy podcast, when we were talking about we're back a dinosaur story where that was based off of a book series and there wasn't really much to the book. So they had to add in a lot of things to it. And in the result, it just became a little bit insane. Yeah. So, I mean, the, um, the kind of like the, way that this film is also some of that as well the music i mean um not memorable like uh, I, I don't remember mm. anything from uh from the score or anything from that at all yeah really. not, not not really no no and uh so in and also um our villain isn't all that you know our villain barely is barely in the story yeah, the uh, the pest exterminator. Yeah, well, no, 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 the pest exterminator. I mean, I, I would say like the, the bear. Oh, you mean the bear? The oh, bear. The bear. Like, he's in the beginning. He's in a dream sequence, and then he's at the end, and he, that's all yeah. the time you ever see him. I mean, the pest exterminator could have been like uh, an additional villain in addition to the bear. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was Thomas Hayden Church who played as the pest exterminator. And a lot of people may know him as Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was he was OK. I mean, the only thing that the only gag that he's, you know, doing is that, you know, while he's trying to find these animals and he just keeps, you know, catching, you know, these like, you know, those flamingos that you would see outside yeah. you know, as like in the front yard. No, 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 that's the nice thing. I can't remember these jokes. Like, again, like, here's another thing as well. This movie's not all that funny. You know, no, it's not. Like, I, I know they're but, trying so hard to make these gags really funny for the kids, but uh, it, and most of it, it just kind of falls flat. It, it got so desperate, they had to make fun of uh, Dr. Phil. And, like, uh, you know, you know, who's going to know about that reference? I, I know, exactly. And, like, I'm sure that one was just put in for the adults. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that just pretty much sums up the movie in a nutshell. It's like, <laughs> they took a... You're going to think about that as well, actually. William Shatner's in this movie. Um, Bruce Willis is in this movie. He's making reference to Dr. Phil. Like, who? which age bracket is this movie for? Yeah, exactly. I, I guess this is when DreamWorks was, like, trying to focus a lot more on bringing in the celebrities and trying to get more money in the box office and less about writing a coherent story and, you know, using the celebrities to their advantage. Well, well like, like the, but mind you, the problem is that some of the celebrities that they bring in for some of these movies actually kind of make sense because they're either what they are for their time or that they've been timeless, you know, actors. And like they obviously they do all sorts of things. You know, like bring, bring in a movie, for, like bring in Dwayne Johnson, for example, like for a, a modern movie. You know, like, like uh, Moana, he, for example. Exactly, that makes sense because he's like one of the most recognizable actors, and uh, you know he's going to transcend. Like he's he he's a great, but he's a great guy to get for a movie, regardless of whether yeah. it's going to be bad or whether it's going to. Yeah, it's gonna be let's take an example for maybe a more recent film. Well, n- not recent, but I mean, like uh, a movie that has been you know timeless for the past decades or so. So let's take something like Little Mermaid. The movie's been around for about thirty years, and you know you listen to the voice actors that have you know portrayed in their 
roles. Like, let's take Buddy Hackett from, you know, who played a, uh, you know, Scuttle. Uh, Buddy Hackett is a very well-known comedy actor. He's been in so many films and TV shows. Now, when you listen to him as Scuttle, I mean, it's a very hilarious character. You don't need to know about Buddy Hackett in order for you to get into the character. Or, you know, Robin Williams is the genie. You know, this was, you know, a lot of people know about Robin Williams, but maybe for a kid who never seen any films with Robin Williams, like maybe The Fisher King or, um, you know, maybe well, other... I was, I was trying to remember, was he Mrs. Doubtfire before yeah, he was the genie? Um, uh, or was uh, he, yes, was yes, he was, because let's see, um, Aladdin came out in 92, Mrs. Doubtfire came out in 93. So yeah, the, um, Mrs. Doubtfire was before, uh, af- uh, yeah, after... Aladdin. Out of after Aladdin. Uh, yeah, so, I just realized, I was thinking about that as well, because, you know, uh, Piers Brosnan's also in uh, Mrs. Delphire as well, and he was Bond at the time. Like, yeah, how exactly. Crazy is that? Exactly. So. <laughs> But yeah, the point is, is that um, you can, I can, I understand the argument about like, oh, why don't they use real voice actors to be in these movies? And I, I would love to see, you know, people like, you know, Tara Strong and Rob Paulson, Jim Ray Cummings, and like, you know, Jim Cummings in, in a feature film. That would be fantastic. Yeah. But I don't mind a few sprinkles of celebrities if they're done well. If they're just throwing in celebrities for the sake of just throwing in celebrities to bring people into the seats, then yeah, we have a problem. Uh, I think that yeah, another it doesn't great even example. have to be like massive celebrities either. I mean, like Ratatouille is probably one of Pixar's greatest films, and yet uh, the uh, guy who uh, plays not plays Remy, but uh, plays uh, uh, his I guess supporting act, uh, yeah, uh, Linguini. Linguini, He's one of the he's just one of the back staff at uh, Pixar. Yeah, he was just, um, you know, a guy who was, like, doing animation and production. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pixar does this a lot in which, hey, you know, um, there's this um, animator or producer. Let's get him to do the movie. I or, know, hey, like, you know, it, was, it was who... great because he actually, you know, uh, I mean, credit to, I mean, I keep forgetting his name, what, what his name was. But, uh, I mean, uh, he sounded like uh, the guy from Napoleon Dynamite. Like, oh, uh, yeah, 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 John Heater, yeah. Yeah, like, I remember, like, oh, wow, they got John Heater for this film. And then I realized it's not him. Like, you know, he's like, oh, wow. So they brought in someone who, you know, is has a you know, a, a good recognizable voice and uh, can, can portray a really good character well. And then you have to spend like a ton of money on like a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And another great example I'd like to bring out is, you know, Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, the, the feature film, not the TV series. So most of the characters in that movie were voice actors. The only celebrities that they used were... Patrick Stewart and Martin Short as the villains. Everybody else in the movie was a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Rob Paulson, Debbie Derryberry, um, uh, let's see, Carolyn Lawrence, Candy Milo. They were all voice actors. And yet at the same time, it made over $100 million and it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Do, do you know what's sad, though, is that I think, uh, I mean, obviously the class of voice actor we're going to get now is obviously going to be people who have constantly been in. Uh, you know, animation and movies, like, you know, but there, there was a, a class of voice actor who came from, like, the classic radio days, like, you know, when people couldn't afford TVs and all they could afford was radio, so all they could listen to was the radio dramas, and, like, you know, we're not going to really have that kind of caliber, and, like, you know, don't get me wrong, Radio 4, and uh, obviously, I think, uh, don't PBS sometimes do the radio dramas as well? On, yeah, they, or NPR they do. And stuff. Yeah, so, like, you know, there, there will be, like, a small crew of people who can do that but who will still be there but i don't know i think uh, there's a there's a golden age i think now in voice acting which i think uh, we'll never see again i don't think and it will just purely be people who have worked in the animation who worked in the uh, the animation industry or worked in uh, you know um voice acting or doing voice things for tv and cinema and things so uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really much to say about this movie, even though we really we didn't even really talk about this movie at all. But <laughs> what's to talk about? Like you know, it's just there's, there's not really much to talk about. Exactly. So uh, this movie did really well in the box office. It, it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It made $336 million out of an $80 million budget. So it was a success. Well, it could, but critically, it was an average. It was an average. Yeah, it was know. average. I mean, some people just said it was like meh. Yeah. Uh, you know, comparing, you know, like, oh, you know, it's just basically Madagascar, except with like, you know, cuddling creatures and such. So yeah. I'll definitely say this at this point. I'm definitely saying that Over the Hedge is probably not going to be in our top 10 list. The, no, not even close. No. It's not as bad as Shark Tale, but it's pretty mediocre. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, to give an exact number on this, it got uh, $335 million at the box office, and it took $80 million to uh, to make. But to be honest with you, I mean, the amount of uh, needless celebrity appearances, I think you could say in this, I reckon the budget could have been way smaller. Yeah, I I, as I, I I think I mentioned this, or, pre- or probably I didn't mention this in the Shrek 2 um, uh, episode, that uh, pretty much a lot of their budget went off to paying, um, you know, Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz, because, you know, they only had, like, like what, like almost like seventy thousand dollars, and they wanted like a like a higher budget for them. So like, I would say like maybe like one third of the budget for Shrek Two went off to paying those three voice, you know, those actors. And right, rightly slow. I'm rightly slow to be honest with you. I mean, like, uh, I mean, Shrek is probably up there with. I mean, I don't know. You can't really compare. I guess I don't know how far you can compare Shrek with The Simpsons, but it's up there with uh, mm-hmm. like within that within that class of uh, of animation, and so it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they said, "Oh, hey, we want more money for um, for uh, for Shrek." If you want us to, yeah, keep doing yeah, this exactly. Money. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, and uh, sure. keep you behind. It's, it's probably the only way that Eddie Murphy's saving for a pension at the moment. So it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and uh, Mike Myers and Mike Myers. Well, yeah, I think. Did Mike Myers also have? I mean, Mike Myers did Austin Powers, at least. Yeah, around that time. But you know, then he did movies like The Love Guru. He he did, but I would say that if we had to, if we had to put Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers, like who was the biggest? Who's the biggest box office failure? I think we have to say Eddie Murphy by a long shot. Yeah, that's look look at all those horrible. Disney movies that he did, like Nights at the Mansion and things like that, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Haunted Mansion, and, you know, and, the, um, and the Adventures of Pluto Nash, and uh, just, God. Oh, oh, all these ideas which were terrible, and uh, he 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 did them, and he lost. I think he lost quite a bit of money out of it too. Yeah, and, but, and he lost credibility for like a decade. Yeah, and also like he was just piling up the uh, the Razzies as well. At least you know, at least I think well, my mind's got a Razzie for the Love Guru. I think I think yeah, Eddie Murphy. I think probably got, like, got Razzie of the decade. I think at some point. Yeah, I, yeah, he. I think he did get the Razzie for like the worst actor of the decade. Yeah, he did. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. that's uh, over the hedge, really. And as you can probably tell, not much to say. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, it's just... I think that 2006 was kind of like a low point for like not only DreamWorks but for Disney as well because. Um, Disney wasn't doing very well in the box office either. Like, you know, they were being crushed by both uh, DreamWorks and Pixar. And I think, like, the movie that they released around that time, I I, I don't know if it was either Chicken uh, Chicken Little or, or um, uh, what was it, like, um, or... Um, um, uh, Home on the Range or something? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Home on the Range, I think it was. 
Yeah, so it was not a good year for either of them. Um, Pixar, let's see, what what did they release in 2006? Um, Let's see, I think, I know that um, The Incredibles was 2004. So I take it that maybe they did release like a movie in 2006. So I'll probably just look it up real quick. But yeah, like 2006 must have not been a really good year for their, uh, for, you know, both of those companies, which is kind of ironic. Oh, oh, they released Finding Dory. (laughs) <laughs> no no 2006 pixar released cars oh sorry pixar. oh well that's what made the money yeah oh. but yeah like think about it like oh god like through all three of these major companies released movies that weren't really received very well i know but i mean keep in mind like if we're talking about like you know the box office flops or like anything like that unfortunately whether we like it or not um, you know, uh, Disney, not only movie-wise, but, you know, merchandise-wise, they they were laughing all the way at the bank. Like, yeah, know. that's true. That's true. And, um, and you know, DreamWorks, you know, very similar. And uh, so was, you know, Pixar to, um, to an extent. So, you know, it was a good year for them financial-wise, but, like, as for movies that people care about, not really. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that we can pretty much just wrap things up. Okay, so for me, Aaron? And Patricia. Take care and uh, don't go over the hedge. (laughs) See you later.